0: Biden Slashes the $1,400 Stimulus Check So President Joe Biden has agreed to a compromise with moderate Democrats to narrow the income eligibility for the next round of $1,400 stimulus checks that are included in a bill the Senate is expected to take up this week. So that means fewer families will receive a partial payment than would have under the original plan completely cutting off those who earn more than $160,000 a year and individuals who earn more than $80,000 a year. The House version of the bill set the income gaps caps at $200,000 for couples and $100,000 for individuals. But the same households will receive the full payment of $1,400 per person, including children. Individuals earning less than $75,000 and couples earning less than $150,000 will adjust as in the House bill. Then the payments will phase out faster for those earning more. Unlike the previous two rounds, adult dependents, including college students, are expected to be eligible for the payments. The House bill had already narrowed the eligibility compared to earlier rounds of stimulus payments. It still would have sent money to more than 93% of tax filers according to the Nonpartisan Tax Foundation. The federal government sent payments worth up to $1,200 per person last year and up to $600 in January. The next round is intended to top off the $600 checks so that individuals receive a total of $2,000. Senate Democratic leaders are set to move the bill forward this week but are continuing to finalize the text. With a 50-50 party split, they will need the support of the entire caucus. Check out down below, become a member, support this news commentary in the description. By the way, I might start not having comments in the YouTube videos because there's always like crypto or Bitcoin spam bots and I don't really want people to be scammed from some of these things, so I think it might be safer for me to just block comments. Right? So if it gets bad on some videos, comments just won't be allowed because it's just it's super bad sometimes. Andrew Cuomo refuses to resign. So the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, on Wednesday refused to resign even as he said he was sorry for whatever pain I caused. Three women who alleged that he harassed them. So an emotional Kumo also asked the public to reserve judgment as New York Attorney General Letitia James oversees an investigation of the allegations by the women, two of whom previously worked as his aides. I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable, the embattled Democrat said in his first public comments on the woman's allegations, it was unintentional. And I truly and deeply apologize for it, he said. I feel awful about it. I certainly never ever meant to offend anyone or hurt anyone or cause anyone any pain, Cuomo said. That's the last thing I would ever want to do. Asked directly if he would quit in the middle of his third term, Cuomo said, I'm not going to resign. I work for the people of New York, he added. I'm going to do the job the people of the state elected me to do. That being said, right, this is my comments right now, he still basically offed over 10,000 people when he put people into the nursing homes during the whole massive covid outbreak so you know you kind of didn't really do what people elected you to do just then so a lawyer for one of coma's accusers former aide charlotte bennett later said the news conference was full of falsehoods and inaccurate information and another accuser former coma advisor lindsey boylan tweeted how can new yorkers trust you at New York Governor Cuomo to lead our state if you don't know when you've been inappropriate with your own staff. In addition to the harassment scandal, Cuomo has been widely criticized in recent weeks for his administration's cover-up of statistics related to COVID deaths in nursing homes and for bullying state lawmakers in others. The governor said he will fully cooperate with the harassment investigation by a lawyer or lawyers whom James will appoint. Those lawyers will have subpoena power to compel witnesses, including Como, to answer their questions. I ask the people of New York to wait for the facts from the Attorney General before forming an opinion, Como said. The 63 year old governor was first accused last week by Boylan, 36, of kissing her without her consent and of jokingly suggesting a game of strip poker aboard an official flight. Cuomo's office strongly denied Boylan's account at the time that it was published on Medium.com, which, by the way, I hope she made a disgusting amount of money from that post that she put on Medium because some people might not know this, but Medium, you can actually get paid for posting articles on there. So within days, the 25-year-old Bennett told the New York Times that Cuomo last year asked her questions including whether she had ever been with an older man, whether she was monogamous in her relationships and other personal questions that made her feel uncomfortable. Bennett said it was clear that Como was seeking a certain type of relationship with her. On Monday, the Times published claims by another woman, Anna Rush, R-U-C-H, who said that Como, whom she did not know, put his hand on her bare lower back at a wedding. The governor then told her she seemed aggressive as he cupped her face with his hands, according to Rush. That's creepy. Rush, 33, who previously worked in the White House during the Obama administration, said so Kuma then asked if he could kiss her. A photo of an uncomfortable looking Rush with Kuma holding her face accompanied that article. Bennett on Monday blasted Kuma for what she called his predatory behavior, and asked the other women come forward if they had similar complaints about his conduct. Which account increased the number of people who have called on Cuomo to resign, among them Democratic Rep Kathleen Rice of New York. On Wednesday, Cuomo first spoke to reporters about the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and related developments in New York. He then pivoted to the harassment scandal that has heard him since last week. I want New Yorkers to hear from me directly on this, he said. First, I fully support a woman's right to come forward, and I think that should be encouraged in every way. After apologizing for making the woman feel uncomfortable, Cuomo said, I am embarrassed by it, and that's not easy to say, but that's the truth. I want you to know, I never touched anyone inappropriately, the governor said. I never knew at that time that I was making anyone feel uncomfortable. I have learned from what has been an incredibly difficult situation for me as well as for other people. And I've learned an important lesson, Como said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever pain I caused anyone. I never intended it, and I will be the better for this experience. Como, during questioning from reporters, later said You can go find hundreds of pictures of me kissing people, men, women. It is my usual and customary way of greeting. By the way, it was my father's way of greeting people. He said, referring to his late father Mario Cuomo, who who himself served as governor of New York. but his lawyer Deborah Katz, after the news conference, said the governor's press conference was full of falsehoods and inaccurate information, and New Yorkers deserve better. The governor repeatedly said he never touched anyone inappropriately. Katz said, Miss Rush's story makes clear that's not accurate. The governor repeatedly said. He had no idea he made anyone uncomfortable. My client, Charlotte Bennett, reported his harassing behavior immediately to his chief of staff and chief counsel. Katz also said, We are confident that they made him aware of her complaint, and we fully expect that the attorney general's investigation would demonstrate that Kumo administration officials failed to act on Ms. Bennett's serious allegations or to ensure that corrective measures were taken in violation of their legal requirements. Kummel last weekend tried to control who would investigate the allegations by Boylan and Bennett, saying that a former federal judge would do the job. The governor then sought to have the state's top judge oversee the probe in conjunction with James. Como's effort sparked a political backlash, and James pointedly refused the arrangement. The governor quickly caved, and his office said James would handle the probe herself. Feel free to become a member, support this news commentary in the description. What do you think about Como and his actions? Do you think this is true? Do you think he did this stuff? What are your thoughts on it? It's gonna be pretty interesting to see. But one thing's for sure, this is not a good situation. It never will be a good situation, one way or the other, right? Now I predicted this in like a previous episode, but I had a feeling that as soon as the first person, the first accuser came out, that there was basically going to be like a wave of more and more people coming out. And I think there's probably going to be even more than these three, right? I bet you at the very minimum, there's probably going to be like five, right? To like obviously varying degrees. And it's going to be interesting to see what actually happens. It's going to be interesting to see... How people react to it, and I don't know how people are going to react to it, basically at all. Like I don't know how serious this is going to get for him. He might fulfill his whole term as governor because I it'd be hard. Like it'd be hard to see people actually be able to kick him out. Is my thing because you got to understand. He basically is kind of like a mob boss, right? That's how he kind of like, you know, lives his life. Looking, you know, from the outside in, he's basically like a mob boss. You can tell that he tries to do that even with, you know, trying to dictate who's actually going to uh, investigate this stuff, right? Him trying to pull kind of certain strings to get more things in his favor. Now, obviously, he failed at that. But at the same time, you can kind of tell that there's going to be certain things that come up. He's probably going to be able to fight it pretty well to the extent that I don't think he's going to get anything serious done to him from it. But at the same time, it's not going to be a good situation for him. So it's, become, it's like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see what actually comes out from this. right? And again, this is a whole other thing. You should probably not really trust your governors, <laughs> like especially ones that kind of like act like a mob boss. So, a Japanese billionaire lets eight people fly to the moon for free, which is pretty amazing, and is going to be using SpaceX for this. So, Japanese billionaire Yusaku. Maizawa announced on Tuesday that he would choose eight members of the public to join him on a trip around the moon scheduled to fly on SpaceX's Starship rocket in 2023. I'm inviting you to join me on this mission, Maizawa said in a video. Maizawa, who announced the mission in September 2018 alongside SpaceX founder Elon Musk, said that the plan has evolved from flying artists on a trip to lunar orbit. His project called Dear Moon will now fly 10-12 to 12 people in all, with 8 of the crew coming from members of the public who Mizawa plans to pick. The billionaire says he will pay for the entire journey, so those who join him will fly for free. Mizawa made his fortune after founding this fashion retail company, Zozo Town, which he resigned from in 2019 after selling a majority stake to SoftBank. The Dear Moon mission will take three days to fly to the moon, loop behind it in orbit, and then spend three days returning. Musk added that in addition to the historic first as a private lunar mission, the rocket's flight path means it will go beyond the distance traveled by the Apollo missions. This mission we expect people will go further than any human has ever gone from planet Earth, Musk said. The Dear Moon website says pre-registration is open until March 14th, The pre-registration application requests a name, country, email address, and a profile picture. An initial screening process begins March 21st with a final interview and medical checkup in late May. There are two key criteria for any person who applies to fly with Maizawa. First, that a prospective passenger can advance whatever activity they are into by going to space. By going to space, could you do something that's even better, even bigger? Maizawa asked. Second, the eight aspiring astronauts must be willing and able to support other crew members who share similar aspirations, he said. And it's been nearly two and a half years since Mazo made his original dear moon announcement, and the project has stuck to its 2023 goal for the mission's launch. In the meantime, SpaceX has continued to work on developing Starship. The rocket represents a next-generation vehicle that is key to must dreams of space exploration. Musk aims for Starship to be fully reusable, not just the booster which is the bottom portion of the rocket by landing and relaunching in a way more similar to a commercial airliner. SpaceX has yet to reach orbit with this Starship rocket, but it is rapidly building and testing prototypes at its facility in Boca Chica, Texas, and the company has successfully launched multiple Starship prototypes, landing them safely after short flights to about 500 feet in altitude. Its two most recent high altitude flights, despite passing multiple development milestones, exploded on impact during attempted landings. SpaceX has not disclosed how much it has actually spent on the Starship program to date, but Musk previously estimated that he expects it will cost the company about $5 billion to complete, which honestly isn't that much in his row. Notably, SpaceX's valuation has soared since Mazoa's original announcement from about $25 billion at the time to about $74 billion this past month. Feel free to become a member, support this news commentary in the description. Check out 14box.com to master it. A frugal YouTuber millionaire buys a supercar for only $0. So a YouTube millionaire named Graham Stefan just bought a $300,000 Ford GT for $0. Now you might be thinking, what the actual banana? Well, to really understand how this can happen, you have to understand his specific situation and all the little details that add up to this being a, in quotation marks, a smart purchase. Understand, though, that the only true justification for a supercar purchase is that you simply want it, period. Like, you could try to justify anything, like any big purchase, but when it comes down to it, when it comes to a supercar, even if the numbers make sense, you still are just wanting that supercar. So nothing wrong with buying a supercar, just know that the simple purchase of buying a supercar instead of investing the money is because you just prefer to have and enjoy a supercar. And it's just simply a choice, right? Now to understand his situation and why this makes sense for him and how he can, again, in quotations, justify spending the money on it, even though he is known for being one of the cheapest millionaires on YouTube, for example, we're talking about someone who won't spend ten cents more on a packet of ketchup. So think of Mister Scrooge when it comes to like daily life purchases. So to understand his situation, let's break it down simply. One, he he is a multimillionaire where his main source of income is YouTube, aka his business. He can use it as a prop in his YouTube videos and thus use it as a tax write-off. Next, he also recently moved to Las Vegas. Now, this is big for two main reasons. Number one, he moved from California to Las Vegas, which saves him in nearly $500,000 in taxes. And honestly, it's probably going to be way more than that because I bet you with The growth rate of his channel, how many views he's getting, and the amount of money that he's probably making per month. He's probably going to save by the end of this year a million dollars in taxes just from living in Las Vegas compared to California. That's how crazy it actually is. 2. He bought the car in a private sale via a car auction and this saves him a disgusting amount on sales tax due to Las Vegas not having sales tax for private sales of cars. For example, Doug DeMuro bought his 4GT in California and he went the traditional purchase route, right where he actually paid sales tax for it, which then he also paid a disgusting amount to also have it licensed in that state, right? Instead of, you know, having like a company in Montana and then technically buying it in Montana and then, you know, just kind of like moving it to California to save you like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on taxes. He went the traditional route and I think it was almost twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 when Doug DeMuro first bought the car, like I think, you know, maybe a year ago, two years ago or something like that, just to like, just to basically register and buy the car in California. So simply doing this whole thing in Las Vegas, the way that he did it, Graham saved a lot of money, right? Three, due to his business being YouTube, he can create an infinite monetization funnel by creating content on the collar Similar to how YouTube car vloggers do, as an example, the Stradman, and the Stradman actually talked about this actually in a interview podcast with Graham Stephan on his uh, Iced Coffee Hour, and also the Graham Stephan Stephan Stephen Stephan show. And the Stradman basically kind of like went over it in the sense that basically every car for him, specifically the Stradman is basically an investment, right? He could pretty much buy a car at nearly any price, right? He could literally pay like market value for any car. And as long as he creates a certain amount of content and it gets the consistent amount of views that he gets, which is about like 800,000 views to a little bit over 1 million views per video on that specific car, he could pretty much get that car paid off within like 20 videos, right? Right? which is pretty crazy when you really think about it. For example, I believe his uh, new Toyota Supra that he modified a lot ended up making him probably about six figures profit. And I'm talking about the Shrab man right? So that kind of like gets you to understand, like, okay, in Graham's situation, even though he is not a car channel, he can still create content financially based around this specific car like you know what is his insurance on the car like how much is he having to pay to register the car right how much is the gas for it and he could just continuously do things financially related to this ford gt that he could pretty much just basically print money from this and again the only way to justify a supercar purchase is because you simply want a supercar That being said, he's in a very specific situation, unlike 99% of the population, to where he can actually make money from a depreciating asset. Now, that being said, this specific car as well is super rare, right? Thus, the car will actually increase in value most likely because it has a trend Basically, a historical data of it actually increasing in value over time. That being said, there's also that brand new Ford GT, which, to be frank, I think would have been a better investment, in quotation marks, if you were able to get one in like a very, very limited edition. And pretty much never sell it for like a decade. And the reason why I say this is because someone else who owns a Ford GT, who has a massive YouTube channel, which is Captain Sparkles, which you know, other known, you know, known by his actual name Jordan Marin, he owns a brand new Ford GT that I believe he actually spent about three hundred to maybe four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars on that specific supercar. But it is so rare. And the demand is so high for that specific car, right, that he could technically just sell that car for, I think, over like a million, a million five for the brand new Ford GT and make a disgusting amount of profit, right? But that's because he got a specific allocation for a super rare, super limited production supercar. So that's another way to think about it too, right? Right. Now, the good thing about the 4GT, the one that Graham specifically bought, like the, I think the 2005 year range, is that they're not going to make more of that specific style of 4GT. It is something that is going to decrease in the amount that's actually existing in the world because people are going to end up crashing it. People are going to modify this stuff. If he keeps that 4GT pretty much as original as possible, and not put much miles on that specific car, which I believe the way he probably has his insurance structured, he probably only will drive it like maybe less than a thousand miles per year. He could probably truly make a disgusting amount of profit from the sale of that car if he were to actually sell it in the future. And again, he knows if he's actually going to do that, right? But again... A supercar is still a supercar. Now, even though you could technically make a profit from buying that car, it's still a supercar. It's not really an asset. It's the same thing with watches. If you were to buy an expensive watch, even though you might try to justify it as saying like, oh, it holds its value. Oh, it's a good investment, yada, yada. It's still something that you simply just want, right? And it's only worth the perceived value of what someone else is actually willing to pay for it. Right? Because I mean, if the demand for Ford GTs completely disappeared, guess what? You're not going to make a profit from a Ford GT. Do I think that's going to be the case? No. I think the demand for Ford GTs are going to increase because the historical data shows that the demand for a clean Ford GT is just continuously increasing steadily over time. Now, the thing that I do worry about is people trying to, like, the thing that I worry about this, right, is that you see this with a lot of finance Mm. viewers of financial channels. So you see someone that you look up to who makes a lot of money, who does very well in their business, but they don't know any of the back-end stuff that goes into it, and they don't really understand that the YouTubers that are doing this are truly in a situation unlike really anyone else to where a normal person most likely should not be buying this car, even though over time the car might increase in value because financially there would be no justification for like a normal person to simply buy a Ford GT, right? But this might give the opinion to some people some viewers, they're like, oh, you know, he's making a lot of money, so that means I should probably just go spend a whole bunch of money on a car that I really like. And that's not always a good choice, because, yeah, let's just say that you're like a normal person, but you have a good income, right? And that you make maybe $100,000 a year after taxes, right? So after seeing his video, you might think, even though Graham doesn't try to like portray this at all, you might Think that, oh, maybe I should go buy like my dream car, right? And you try to justify it in your mind as well. But it won't actually be able to be justified in any real sense because you don't have the type of life like Graham does to where he could actually monetize from the car. And this is the thing that I'm worried about because. Most people, like creators, you'd think that they wouldn't have to worry about this, right? But if you've noticed on any financial channel, right, in the comments section of any financial channel or business channel or crypto channel, right, you'll see a whole bunch of scammers in the comment sections portraying as, you know, that they are the real Graham or the real Andre or the real meet Kevin and all this other stuff, right? But they're not, and they're spam bots to basically funnel people into a way of just getting rid of all of their money. And you see that, and you see people actually getting scammed from this and believing this. So you can also see that, you know, let's just say Graham's video ends up getting, like, I don't know, maybe like a million views, right? Like, hopefully that would be actually cool for him. That would pretty be good for him, honestly. But there's going to be like 1% of the million people that end up watching that video that are basically going to think like, oh, buying a super expensive car is a super good idea, right? Which is not really the case, right? Because they're not really going to understand even though he's, you know, is very specific and he goes over a lot of detail in his video there's still going to be like 1% of the viewers of his video that are going to be like, oh, I'm going to just buy, you know, a super expensive thing, right? And it's it's stupid to say, but there's people like that. There's people, there's viewers of his channel. There's viewers of any financial channel that for some reason are just like clueless, right? And it's going to be hard to see because you know it's going to happen and like, You know, nothing this this is not Graham's fault at all. But there's always gonna be like one percent of your followers that are gonna end up misunderstanding the purpose of the video, right? They're gonna misunderstand the reasoning for why he's actually doing it. Right? Even though he's very clear as to why he's doing it. There's still gonna be that one percent of people that are gonna just completely misunderstand. And basically live like a whole different reality than what's actually going on. And you see this with politics as well. You see two sides go at it. And even though they might see the exact same thing, right? So let's just say like the letter A, right? One side sees the letter A, but they see it as yellow, like the color yellow. And then you have the other side. They see letter A, but for some reason they think it's blue, right? But... It's neither. It's like black, right? Like typical black font, right? But they live in two different realities. And this is the problem that I see that could come out from this video, which is sad, right? You don't want to see people end up just making bad financial choices just because they completely misunderstand the actual purpose of the video. Next, the main takeaway from this purchase is that if you get to the point where you can literally toss a duffel bag filled with cash into your front yard, burn it, and then take a dump on it without it hurting you financially at all, then the purchase is not, in quotations, a dumb purchase. It literally has no impact on your financial situation. And this is the thing that, this is the thing that you got to understand with Graham's situation. He has gotten to the point where his net worth allows him to basically do something like this. Like, he wouldn't even need to try to justify this vehicle in a car, period, right? His net worth is at that point where he can literally do what I just described to the amount of money that he paid for the car, finance or otherwise, and literally not care, literally not feel a thing financially. It would not affect his life at all. Right, So as an example, this is similar to if someone was making $50,000 a year and then buying a $1 pack of 12 number two pencils from Walmart on sale. It means nothing on the grand scale. Like literally nothing. It means nothing. But this isn't like anyone else's situation. I mean, it's like the situation for like super rich individuals. It's like the situation for people who have this like immense Amounts of cash flow coming in per month And it also makes sense for YouTubers Or content creators of some sort But for like the normal everyday person No, it doesn't make sense It doesn't make sense to buy a super expensive car That you're only going to drive Less than like a thousand miles per year, right? Because typically the majority of people Who buy a car tend to put over 20,000 miles on that car, which means you're going to be destroying the value of that car. And a lot of people, a car is the second largest purchase for them in their whole life. So you got to keep that in mind. For the everyday person, there's no justification for this period, right? But like I said, 1% of the viewers of... This video, like of his specific video of where he buys the Ford GT for $0, dollars are going to completely misunderstand his video, completely misunderstand his situation, and just be like, oh, this is a stupid purchase. Uh, this is, you know, maybe I should just go buy something expensive. Oh, uh, I've always wanted, you know, a brand new Mustang GT. Even though, you know, if you get like a brand new Mustang GT, like Shelby GT 500, that thing's like, I don't know, 70000 or or $100,000. Out of the uh, dealership, and most people aren't making the kind of money that it would take to even afford a car like that compared to you know a Ford GT. So it's going to be very interesting. I hope people show support to his video and for his purchase because, again, this literally has no impact on his personal life. Like I said, this is literally him basically dumping a bunch of cash, taking a dump on it burning it, and maybe just like, you know, running over it with this brand new 4 GT, right? And feel free to become a member or support this news commentary in the description where we focus on money-related content. And feel free to check out 40inbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons, personal finance courses, and contact us with your personal finance question or story and we'll potentially turn it into a future episode. And feel free to give your thoughts because this is going to be... Interesting, because this is not a small purchase by any means, but for him...